I need an ambulance. I took, I took the worst of the blow. Send me a redeemer. Let me know if I'm gonna be alright. Am I gonna be alright? Hello, 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 everybody out there in podcast land. Welcome to Hardcore ER with Karen Wickiam and Mary Gardner. How's everybody doing out there today? Well, I guess you can't really answer me, but uh, maybe we can tell you a little bit what's going on here with us today. Is it warm out, Mary? It's warm out today. We're talking about 90 degrees out for those out there that use Fahrenheit still. And for us, it is about 32, 33. We live in a building near the top floor, so we get a lot of the heat and For your listening pleasure, we turned off all air conditioning and fans. So we're pretty... um, Warm. And... Human. Yeah. And what do they say? Um, Not misty. Dewey? Dewey. I don't don't like that word, dewey, but... I'm currently sitting with an ice pack on my head to keep myself cool. And I'm currently sitting with two ice packs on my left arm. Why? Because she dislocated it. Yeah, things are a little delayed this month because a week ago yesterday, I got into a bit of a sea-do accident and it tipped and I reached up and grabbed onto something and my arm tore out of its socket. I felt rip, 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 pop. And that was a lot of fun. Not. Thank God for life jackets because I thought I was going to puke and I thought I was going to pass out. So because of the life jacket, I was able to float around until I was able to not feel like I was going to puke and pass out. Yeah, my my left arm was completely useless. And uh, I had to get myself around the Sea-Doo, around the dock and up to the complete other side. So it was about 30 feet in one direction, six or seven across the top and another 30, 40 feet to get to a ladder where a boat was uh, to get up it, which isn't a lot of fun going up a completely straight boat ladder with one arm. However, however, there was amazing people around. Mary, of course, was looking over me, making sure everything was okay. Mary was uninjured and her twin sister actually dove in. Near the end when I really was starting to puke and pass out and uh, she piggybacked me kind of um, to the ladder and pulled me out. So she's a a flight director. uh, uh, What are they called? Well, she's like the head flight attendant. Yeah, she's a head flight attendant. So So she's trained in emergency procedures and she just dove into action, so to speak. Yeah. And we have a new nickname for her now. We call her CJ from Baywatch. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> she need. is blonde and beautiful, so I think it, uh, yeah. it it is fitting. She's my hero. Yeah. Well, she's mine too. So special shout out to my sister, Anna. Thank Love you. you. Love you, Anna Gardner. Okay. So we can talk a little bit about the fun we had because it does involve an ER. So a friend whose cottage we were at drove us to a small, small cottage hospital and it took, they did a great job. They, they were very caring and they, best, they did the best they could with what um, tools they had in their ER. 
But it, between injury and getting it reduced, it was about four or five hours. So there was a ton of swelling and, oh, God. I have never felt pain like that in my life. And I tell you, I'm one of the klutziest people who have had some pretty serious injuries. And this was like, oh, my God. Anyway, they gave me some good drugs, which helped. And they knocked me out and proceeded. Well, at least, no, they gave me ketamine. Oh, I don't know how anyone could like this drug at all. It is horrible, horrible, horrible. People like to go into what they call a K-hole. I was in K's hole. <laughs> it was chaos. <laughs> so I was awake in this K-hole while they were yanking on me, and I was getting kind of pissed off, and I was really letting them have it. What was I saying to them, Mary? Well, you were threatening to throw snowballs at them. <laughs> I'm a beast. But then you decided that you wanted to throw tacos at them because they were sharper. Yeah. So in my K-hole state, you can see I turn into a violent monster and decide to throw sharp tacos at the doctors. Which the doctor said was good because she was hungry. Yeah. So, so. they took it in stride. <laughs> a good sense of humor. <laughs> yeah. Finally, they had to knock me out uh, all the way. And it took about a half an hour to put that shoulder back in. And it really had should have only taken about maybe five, ten minutes at the most. But yeah. So since then, it has been really interesting. I've had my fair share of little fits because being one-armed is not fun. And people might think, well, you can still talk into a microphone. You can still make your podcast. You still have to write the scripts and you still have to be able to edit and um, even just move. So not wah, wah, wah for me. It's just letting you know that I haven't been a slackin'. It's uh, just been interesting, and I'm seeing an orthopedic surgeon tomorrow and hoping for the best. And uh, that's a Mary, Mary, poor Mary, proud Mary. <laughs> you've been amazing, and oh, I want to thank you. you so much because you've just taken amazing care of me and put up with some of my crankiness. Oh, well, you would have done the same. You would have done the same for me. So, of course, no doubt, no doubt. <sighs> okay, so now that we've got my little little tale of woe woe out of the way. This month's hardcore yard is, it might be a twofer, depends on how much time we have here. The first thing we're going to talk about is granola parents. That's what I call them. And what is a granola parent? What do you think a granola parent is, Mary? Oh, someone who like uh, is all earthy and like owns hep clothing and, you know, likes to not shave their armpits. And <laughs> Now, do you think there's a problem with being that way? No, I don't think there's a problem being that way. I think it's a choice if you want to live more, well, in a lot of ways, more eco-friendly. We're so wasteful in a lot of ways. So I, I applaud people who do engage in getting products that are more environmentally friendly and leave less of a carbon footprint. And, you know, if you choose to eat vegetarian or vegan, that's, you know, your choice, obviously. Um, I so agree with you. I think it's a, a great way to live. There's absolutely nothing wrong with it, and I am of the same sentiment. And I wanted to clarify that because this is not about that lifestyle. When it irks me, when it gets on my nerves, is when they choose not to use modern medicine to help cure or treat very serious illness. And even more so when it involves their child. 
because as an adult, you can refuse treatment. Maybe not the best idea, but you can refuse treatment. Children do not have that choice if you're making it for them. Now, what do I think about traditional medicine? I think it's fantastic. It has its place. It's amazing. There's no problem, I think, with starting there first if it is appropriate. What, what do you mean by traditional medicine? Okay. For instance, with my shoulder. I am having a huge amount of pain in my bicep, shoulder, rotator cuff area. There's a nice, and this is not a, I'm not promoting a product. It's just something with Mary being a massage therapist and the sort of homeopathic, naturopathic, um, well, you're perfect to speak on this actually, because you believe in using both. Um, Arnica, it's from a flower, a plant, is it not? Uh, The cream is a mixture of, it's a homeopathic remedy, but it's a mixture mostly of Arnica, Ganesha, calendula, hemimel, so it's all plant-based medicine. So it's a topical analgesic and an anti-inflammatory cream that we find to be more useful than, say, a topical analgesic like a rub A535 or Voltaren or something's quite popular. So <laughs> Voltaren is, is Advil in topical form, and some people with certain medications and heart conditions can't use Voltaren. So um, and then even with Arnica, it's the, this particular cream that we use isn't recommended for pregnant women. So the, the point is, is that a few years ago, well, before we met, I would have said, Arnica, I don't know about that. I will go straight for the A535, whatever. I got to tell you, this stuff is amazing. It is, unhar- well, like Mary said, you have to take in consideration when you're using uh, homeopathic or naturopathic medicine that it doesn't interfere with medications you're taking or it doesn't undertreat things. But I think it's phenomenal. That's how pharma- pharmacy, you know, how, how this all started. So this Arnica is incredible. I had a terrible burn on my hand. I never would have thought of putting it on. It helped heal it fast. I get cold sores. I put it on my cold, on my cold sore. It helps heal it fast. So yeah, I, I, that's what I'm talking about. However, I didn't put the Arnica immediately on the bad burn. I use zinc cream and silver cream and and antibiotics and stuff like that first. But when it was in a more advanced healing process, when it was doing really well, that's when I applied the Arnica. So you can see where you use a combination of modern medicine with traditional medicine and it works really well together. So you can marry holistic with medicinal pharmacological. Yeah. From that perspective. So that's that's where I'm kind of coming from. I mean, vitamin sort of fits that bill as well. And uh, it, it's kind of a bit of both. And, you know, I'm sure we all heard about it. You can use willow bark to help with pain and, and cramps and stuff like that. And you know what? I'm sure we all know of a home remedy that uh, mustard plaster for your for your chest and stuff okay, like that. It's the best. Exactly. But what if you have asthma? Well, it's pretty important to breathe. <laughs> yeah. So what if you're a 10, 11-year-old bad asthmatic? On a day like today, I'd be staying inside. That's for darn sure. Okay, so I guess the point I'm trying to make is, and this is where we get to the story. There was a girl that would frequently come into the hospital with acute asthma attack. Actually, she was very, very, very sick. We're talking very shut down airways, O2 sats really low, blue around the lips, just not getting air in. Very, very sick girl. She was she was borderline. Like we, 
she was lucky to come out of it the the couple times that she came in so a she always came in in an advanced state of the exacerbate i can never say that say it for me exacerbation that's it I don't even know why I shouldn't even just use those big words. I'm trying to sound all like smart and stuff. Um, no, but she was in an advanced state of, of, of this attack. Um, so she should have been brought in way earlier or or been treated at home on prophylactic medicine, like some medications that help keep a severe asthmatic in tow. So some people don't like steroids. You know, they don't like inhalers and stuff like that. But that can keep someone alive and you can look at other remedies. However, this child cutting to the chase was being treated at home with homeopathic and naturopathic medicines only. Not for a child that had reactive airways due to allergies, though still serious or can be. No, this mother refused, refused all modern medicine. This child was undernourished from her diet. Again, no knock on being a vegan, vegetarian, but she was malnourished. That didn't help the situation. She had many, many, many allergies. Okay, so then the, the diet may have been good for her, may not have been. She was a bad asthmatic. She would flare up. It didn't take much, mm-hmm. and especially the time of the year. Well, I but look at it this way. If I had a child and I was worried about steroids, it was like, steroids, breathing. Steroids, breathing. Like... <laughs> I think I'd rather have my child be breathing than, you yeah. know, worried about some of the side effects that are potential with side, with steroids and, and certain medications. And that's exactly it. We're not asking them to, or this mom, to necessarily change her, what she's doing at home, but to add to it. So maybe what she could provide at home could boost her system, but not fix her system. And at times... And I'm telling you, this is the only experience I've had, but parents such as this have this really entitled, arrogant attitude of, it's my life, it's my child, and I know what's right, and I know what's better, so this is how I'm going to do it. And I think it's the most irresponsible behavior because you are enforcing your beliefs on a child that may be dying, a child that is very ill. You do not have the right to enforce your beliefs on that child when they can't make the decisions themselves and it's a life and death situation because I believe if you asked a little kid that we can give you some of this medicine and you'll live or if we don't you're still going to feel really sick and you might die now who's going to ask a child that no one is going to ask a child that however let's just entertain it that child's going to say of course I want to live I want to play I want to have fun I'm not ramming down all these chemicals but it's life saving medicine boom So the mom would bring in the child when she was blue, not breathing, very sick, unconscious. So it begs to wonder why all of a sudden was modern medicine okay? Like where was her line? Where did she draw the line? Yeah, exactly. So she basically is bringing you, bringing the child to you in an emergent state when that could have been prevented if she had engaged in using the pharmacological intervention because it's quite obvious that the homeopathic wasn't working but now she's seeking out the pharmacological by coming to you guys into the er because of course you're going to give the kid drugs to save her life 
Well, that's the whole thing. I mean, she wasn't even able, wasn't even willing to budge off of that. Can you move your your line over a bit? Can you maybe bring her in before she's unconscious and her sats are in the boots? Could you bring her in when you really start to hear audible wheezing? Can you bring her in when she's really short of breath? But she was refusing to to move off of that. And again, she was so arrogant about it, so entitled. And she would get right in our face, in the way. What are you doing? Why are you doing that? And you know, hey, I'm all for parents being in the room if they're going to help calm a child, if they're going to, you know, have a positive effect. But it, it was terrible. So. I just have a comment about that. I mean... Could that be considered abuse or failing to provide the necessities of life? Because, like, I don't know what the definition is legally or anything like that, but to me, you're putting a child at risk that has a serious condition that needs medical intervention of a pharmacological kind. Because obviously the holistic, as much as is might to supplement it, so she doesn't need to use the pharmacological as much. It's abuse. It's abuse. Flat out. The next story we're going to tell is going to um, show an example of what we do or can do to intervene to save a child. So Children's Aid actually was called on this woman to be investigated. Nothing was done. She was encouraged to use these medications and follow up with a pediatrician, so on and so forth, which of course she did not. She was not taken into custody. She was not apprehended. And she was able to, like, allowed to carry on. And, okay, we could have a big debate about that. But anyway, the last time that this child came into the ER really was the last time that she went to a hospital. Because she arrived in such an advanced state that we weren't able to bring her back. And she died. She died a very uncomfortable painful, oxygen-starving death. And this child spent years sick, 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 when her quality of life could have been amazing, or at least way better, with some restrictions, but no. So she died. This makes me so angry. Yeah. It's so arrogant of that woman to think that... Oh, but wait, it gets better. She blamed us. She was going to sue us because we didn't save the child this time I'm just shaking my head I wish you could see my face right now I'm just big sigh and just you know I just want to I don't know strangle her until she can't breathe and see what she feels like when she... <laughs> yeah. believe me um I when we see this imagine. it's like it's like my worst nightmare not being able to breathe anybody who's ever like knocked the wind out of themselves or had any kind of or suffers so from breathing yeah. incident where you're like oh my god i can't breathe it's like horrifying it's terrifying so for this poor girl like anybody who suffered any kind of a breathing traumatic breathing drowning choking uh, asthma attack or um, suffers with emphysema copd or, or knows a family member they right, know any of that it's it's the most horrible feeling knock the wind out of yourself and you can't catch your breath and this poor girl suffered like that why needlessly because her mom thought she knew better than doctors and and you know specialists who this is what they do for their living i mean it's just so irresponsible and then at the at the end when this poor little thing died it was our fault 
And, you know, the the EMS got to know this child and address. And if there was a call, they'd be like, oh, uh, we're being called to, I'm just going to make up a name. We're get, getting, getting called to Joanne's house again. And Joanne's coming in. And then we'd be like, oh, Joanne's coming in. We'd get everything set up. So we, it, they were a regular in a sense. And when the last time she came in, she died. It was just, it was devastating for all of us because we wanted to, this was preventable. This was um, unnecessary. This was a tragic, unnecessary death. And in a way, in my extreme mind, I think this is kind of like murder because <laughs> she denied treatment to this child. And um, so, yeah, that, there's that. We the, the thing is, when the child would come in, we would be so focused on saving her that we didn't have time to think about wanting to beat the shit out of the mother. And, of course, you're not allowed to do that anyway. <laughs> Yeah, no, even though it runs through your head sometimes. We're human, but yeah. So that's 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 that story. So sad and totally, totally preventable. The the next story is somewhat the same. It involves religion and treatment. Just going to preface this by saying that I do not infringe upon anybody's rights or beliefs. What you believe in is your choice in terms of spirituality and stuff like that. That's that's your choice. I will not judge you in any way unless unless what your beliefs or what you feel your beliefs are saying to you create harm to others. Do you see what I'm saying? There are certain people that are extremists in their thinking that believe that gay people shouldn't live or certain people should be uh, wiped off the face of the earth those types of things that's that's where i have a problem but anyway i may not agree with it doesn't mean i'm gonna want your life to change because of it in this case i'm talking about jehovah's witness in which they will not have a blood transfusion do not believe in blood transfusions and it's just not even a question If it's blood transfusion or death, it's death. So I'm not going to get into why they believe that. Again, it's it's the the result. We had a child come in to the eMERGE with sickle cell anemia. Very, very, very serious, serious disease in which the blood sickles. It looks like a a sickle, Mm -hmm. if you can imagine it. Well, red blood cells kind of look like little donuts. Yes. I guess if you were to describe it. Or baby, baby little inner tubes. That's right. Where the bottom isn't like hollow. It's just sort of thinner. And and that's where your oxygen is carried as well. So if you can imagine making it that into like a quarter moon look, that's what sickled blood looks like. And what it does is that it will collect and kind of like clot and collect. And oxygen isn't being carried uh, to to the body, to the organs. So it's inv- it's it's very serious. The, there are what we call chest crisis and uh, brain crisis, things like that where they can have a stroke, where they can have a heart attack, uh, clots, etc. So it's very, very serious. So, and not to mention serious, it's unbelievably painful. So the general, the treatment is transfusion and pain management. So 
we do had they tend to be sorry to interrupt do they tend to be any kind of like anticoagulant therapy or something to help the cells not stick together so much I, I haven't, to be honest with you, treated someone with sickle cell anemia in quite a while, so I don't know what the protocol is right now, but uh, I, I do know that, speaking from that, it's you know generally transfusion and um, acutely when they come into the hospital. Okay. And so oftentimes it's not diagnosed in, in, until, well, it can be diagnosed later in life, um, you know, maybe when it can be diagnosed when they're babies, it could be diagnosed when they're in their toddlers, teens, a little bit older, but generally it's, it's diagnosed before then. And it can tend to be the most dangerous when it's undiagnosed and they're just coming in and you're, you're racking your brain, you're going through all your protocol to figure out what, what's happening. So we had a young child come in who as it turned out, they were newly diagnosed, or we diagnosed them then as sickle cell. They were very, very, very sick, uh, like close to death sick. And what we needed to do was transfuse the child. The parents were Jehovah. They refused transfusion. This child, we're talking ticking time bomb. We're not talking we've got an hour or two hours or three hours or a day to figure this out. We need to transfuse this child now. ASAP. They said, no, nope, no, we're not going to allow it. Every angle we tried, it didn't matter. They were adamant. They were not going to do it. So one of my favorite doctors in the whole entire world, I wish I could say her name, love this woman. She said, transfusion or we're calling children's aid and we're having your child apprehended. They said, no transfusion. So what do we do? Call children's aid. They came in. Uh, they had the child apprehended. We transfused the child. And when the child was out of the woods, the child was given back to the parents. So by apprehended, they basically take them on as a ward or take their parental rights away? Yeah, they. When I apprehended sounds horrible. It sounds like ah, it just means that the parents temporarily lose their rights to the child and all treatments involved, uh, you know, necessary things like that, life and death. So uh, I, I think it was about eight or 12 hours that the children's aide had custody of the child, enough to get the child out of the woods and the, the care was given back to them. Our point is not to permanently take these children away. It is to save their life. And it does happen. Now, some people might listen and think that's extreme. Well, you know, life and death, we, that's just how it goes and they have a choice to make. So yeah, sometimes that's what we do. And unfortunately, we, we didn't do that or the child wasn't apprehended from the other woman because she, she agreed to treatment once the child was brought in and, and investigations were done, but you know, they, they couldn't do anything to, to remedy that. But you know, yeah. Now this is in the province of Ontario that this occurred. So I'm assuming in Canada, the most provinces probably have similar laws. I have no idea if it's different in States. Yeah. I, I, I don't know. I don't either, but I'd like to think that, uh, Hospitals are ethical and they are looking for the best of the patient, especially in a situation of a child. And uh, if anybody out there who's a nurse that's listening to this or a doctor, please, can you let me know? I mean, I'm going to Google that afterwards. Good question, Mary. But if you guys know, uh, send us an email and uh, let us know what you know about the different laws in, in your countries. That would be really cool to hear. Mm -hmm. That would be good. Yeah. 
Sounds so fine. yeah, that's that's the two hardcore ER cases which involve parents not making the best decisions. I mean, I've had a parent pull an IV out of their child's arm. Uh, a child who has had terrible veins because they were septic. Um, you know, I, there's been many, there's been cases of parental uh, interference, and that's exactly what it is. You're just holding back care. And, you know, there's one thing to be afraid, and there's another thing to get in the way of your child living or dying or getting better. So let's end today's episode on that note. Right here. Well, if you could all send some healing vibes to Karen, she can sure use them. Send them! Send them! She's uh, she's coming along. She's strong. She's a fast healer. So hopefully they will get some good news from the ortho and she'll be up to uh, entertaining you guys more. And I am determined and pissed off. <laughs> I get very angry at inanimate objects when they, they don't do what I want to do. I don't know if anybody else is out there, but like if I can't get a lid off of something, I truly blame the jar or the manufacturers of the jar for being absolutely ridiculous for you know making the jar that way. And I will yell at the jar and I say, Mary, can you jar please? And she pop, opens it. So I, I kind of feel like my arm is an inanimate object right now because it is kind of just lying there. And uh, yeah, I'm kind of mad at it. And uh, maybe I should show it some more love. That's right. Don't be mad at you want it to heal. Show it love. Okay. Just like we should do to one another. Exactly. So let's, let's end on that note to love each other, take care of each other, and most importantly, love ourselves. Peace. One love.